Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocketnow Weekly Podcast. That's right, the Pocketnow Weekly Podcast is still a thing. Uh, just had a bit of a hiatus. Um, after all, when it comes to this show, uh, we do do our best to bring it out every single week, but uh, we've been just kind of taking it easy, especially after everything that was been going on this year. Uh, CES uh, was back in um, full swing, and of course, uh, I had to kind of quarantine for a while after that um and then mwc just happened uh so yeah we're just getting back into the swing of things and uh trying to rest up after all getting back on the road for a lot of us is going to be a bit of an adjustment and it was for a one nick gray of fandroid who is back on the show he's one of our regulars and he was actually at mobile world congress last week in barcelona spain so we wanted to get some thoughts from him regarding some of the announcements that were made from the likes of oppo um uh, Huawei Honor and uh, Realme, uh, especially with some of the flagship devices. We all have our hands on them right now, and it's looking like it's going to be an exciting year in smartphones. But of course, considering the day that this episode is coming out, we have to talk about Apple's announcements. Uh, and in their first uh, event of the year, they did announce uh, some new colors, or one new color for the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. They have refreshed the iPhone SE, now with the Bionic A15, brought back the iPad Air with the M1 chip, and to keep the whole theme of high-powered chips going into all of their devices, now we have the M1 Ultra being put into a new computer in the Mac Studio, and Nick and I ponder whether or not it's actually something that we would end up using or that we even need. With all that said, though, we're going to go ahead and get into this episode of the Pocketnow Weekly Podcast. Thank you for sticking with us, and uh, yeah, we are back. Uh, see you probably every Wednesday as we do midweek episodes so that we can bring you all of the best news every single week. So let's get into this episode. Enjoy. All right. Oh you Okay. Isa, we're recording. This, this is very, this is very like front heavy. The because of the lantern, so you gotta be careful with it. Okay. Let me just put this in before is she you destroying start. your office? No, it's just the the light that she's using. Because we have, I have the, um, I have a sixty watt light that is small, but the lantern is large. So it's very front heavy, and it's on honestly not the strongest of light stands. I have so many light stands, and none of them can handle it. Yeah, my light stand constantly is tipping over. Yeah. Okay, well, just go into it. Like I was saying, chaotic energy. That's, that's what I'm totally into. Um, it has been a while, Nick. And it's kind of fun to like come back to all of this stuff. Not to say we were ever going to... Not to say we were never going to come back to it. But it's nice to come back to the stream yard. We're in this video call. You and I haven't talked in a while. Clearly, a lot of stuff has happened. So I guess the only way to start this off is, how have you been? <laughs> Oh, I've been good. I finally recovered from jet lag from going from Cleveland to Barcelona and back to Cleveland for Mobile World Congress. I was tired the whole time I was there. Uh, and the it was time? actually the whole time. I, I I think my last day was finally the day I was like, okay, jet lag is finally almost done. And I, that was, what, day five. And yeah, then I had to get up back on a plane and head back this direction. Fortunately, coming back this direction was a lot easier since my body was completely out of whack. But uh, I know a lot of people. Uh, you should talk to Kogan. He had some issues with sleep while he was there. And as I was, a couple I was people. looking, I was watching all of your, not that I necessarily had much FOMO. It's just that I was watching all of your guys' um, IG stories and Kogan was like, the unlocker, David Kogan, he was saying like he couldn't sleep so he would just get on the exercise bike every like night 
or mm-hmm. leading up to the sunrise, um, as it were. So it was it was interesting to see that because this is the first time you've been across the pond. Any In pond, a while, really. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My last international trip was IFA. Uh, which was in um, Berlin, late August, early September of 2019. Mm. Yeah, and we were at that show together. I think that was probably one of your last international trips as well. It really, yeah, it was. And yeah, that was the last international trip. I'm trying to remember. And then uh, we've recounted this story in multiple places, but it was then the um, February 2020 that we were in San Francisco for Unpacked. And that was when the domino started to fall. Like Mm -hmm. everyone, all of us tech people, all of our crew, we were all in that room trying to film the first Z flip. And um, we were trying to, like we were getting pings on our Twitters and all that stuff that things were starting to get canceled, that like um, uh, cases were going up and, and all of that. And slowly but surely, by the end of that like briefing session, we were all like, yeah, we're not going to MWC. <laughs> well, I, I think it was everyone got back from that trip like two days later. And then MWC put their official press release out that they had canceled the show. Yeah. Um, and that was probably what, like 10 days notice before the show. And this was the first one back for them. Like we went in January for to the first one in person for CES. And this was the first in person for MWC. And honestly, like compared to CES, because they didn't have a whole lot of companies back out at the last minute like CES was. Like there was supposed to be a lot of people show up at CES and then Omicron hit. Um, so things were a little bit different and you could definitely feel that on the show floor. I, I think I got an email late yesterday, earlier today saying there was 61,000 people who attended, which I think is probably 20,000 more than were at CES, which is a huge number. But also the venue is smaller, right? Yeah. The venue is smaller, uh, as far as, you know, the size of it, but I mean, there's more. I think there's more business that goes on at MWC, industry-wide business, as far as specifically mobile devices, where we're talking about 5G networks and connectivity and infrastructure. There's a lot right. more of that that goes on. Uh, and I, I think the email that I got said there was like 1,500 press and media. So just to put it in into perspective as to who's showing up at these shows, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. there you know, manning the booths. But then there's a lot of people there that are there just to do business and, you know, going to, you know, Nokia's booth to say, hey, I want to buy 59,000 5G repeaters to put on, you know, this part of town of our city things like that. So, but yeah, it was a good show, but they, not all the halls were open. They usually, I think they go all the way to nine, uh, hall eight and nine were closed. They didn't have the huge cafeteria that they typically have there. Oh no. And, <laughs> Cause and that's then, where we, that's where we would all hang out. <laughs> that, that's, that's where you got, get a lunch every day. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, a lot of the outdoor spaces were less full than usual. Like there's the typical Google Android space that's outside. They had one, um, like they have in the past, but it was less cumbersome than it was. Uh, and then a lot of the halls, um, the way they have the halls, they're just long halls that span left and right from the main main corridor in the middle. But they actually shortened them up. They didn't go all the way to the end. So they would have a big booth at the end. And then if you kind of like peeked behind the curtain, you're like, they could have like five or six more booths behind here, but they condensed everything as opposed to what we saw at CES where there was just mm. big empty swaths in the middle where a booth like LG's booth would have been. 
at CES where there was absolutely nothing. They just shortened everything up so that you didn't have any of that dead space where you're so they, walking through. So they actually put some thought into how to correct, <laughs> organize correct. it with well, the and lack I, of people. I think it, it does help with the fact that the layout of the show floor is completely different than what we get at CES rather than having these massive rooms where they, you know, they're like five booths wide by 20 booths deep here. You're only two booths wide by, you know, 20 booths deep. So you just shorten it up on one end and it, you know, it feels completely different. Mm -hmm. But uh, as you mentioned in photos and videos, it, it did look packed uh, because they yeah. did condense it. It wasn't as packed as the last one I'd been to, uh, which is nice. I think we all enjoyed CES being a little bit roomier with, you know, room to walk around without bumping into people. Uh, the last day I was there, this is actually the first time I've been to MWC and stayed all the way to the end. Uh, and the last day was a little bit slower, but still a lot more vibrant than even the busiest day on CES. Mm. Yeah, I, I, it did seem like there was still a lot of buzz going around, and which, which I found funny about MWC. And we could start getting into some of the announcements and some of the products that might have been announced at MWC. Because um, what I found interesting about how this one was handled, knowing that there were a lot of press or a lot of media or a lot of, let's say, influencers that were not going to be going, a lot of the companies that were showing up at MWC were actually just sending out the products early on to people, mm -hmm. um, including myself and actually Issa's right here, right off camera. Um, we actually got the real me's we got the red me's we got the oppos we got all of these phones <laughs> uh, a fair amount ahead of time and i remember uh, a couple of people including yourself were saying like not to say that that meant going to mwc was um less useful it was just that it didn't feel like there were a ton of things on the show floor to really cover if they were already available prior yeah that's that's one of the things i mentioned as well to some other people we got i i i took three phones that were announced at the show to the show because I hadn't finished my coverage yet. I was like, well, they sent me the device. I should finish my coverage by taking the device with me, uh, which was, which as anybody who covers these shows knows, uh, this is a great benefit to us because it allows us to take our time and be more thoughtful with our coverage and the, what we're presenting to those who are listening to the podcast or watching our videos or reading the articles on the websites. But, there were actually a handful of devices that did show up at the show from Nokia, from ZTE, uh, Huawei, and a couple other manufacturers that didn't send out devices in advance. So there was actually a lot to cover. And if you didn't get any of the review devices in advance, there was definitely a lot to cover. Mm -hmm. um, I, fortunate enough, I was able to take it a little bit easier than I typically would because I had devices in advance. But if that didn't happen, it would have been a tough show to cover if you're one or two person team hitting the show floor on your own. Yeah, fair. Um, but let's go ahead and get into some of those products. Like, what were some of the highlights from the coverage that you had? Because um, I know Jaime was showing off a few things. There is a Best of MWC uh, video that he put out. By the way, Jaime is still in Barcelona. So if anyone's wondering, <laughs> like, he just went ahead and stayed. Jaime is having a great time in Barcelona, and I don't blame <laughs> him. We actually, because Jaime, for those who don't know, Jaime is actually training for a marathon. And both Jaime and I run all the time and he's in the middle of his marathon training and uh, we were talking and we looked at originally the Barcelona half marathon was scheduled mm. for the weekend after the show. And so we were messaging each other back and forth, back and forth, but because of Omicron, they postponed the half marathon 
to a month later. And so we were both looking at the dates. We're like, dude, this falls in perfectly with, you know, two days after MWC, we can be there for the show, then run a half marathon with 50,000 people, have a great time running through the city. And then they pushed it back to, I think, mid-April or something like that. So that was disappointing, but but he's having a great (laughs) time in the city. Yeah, he yeah, absolutely is. Um, and if anyone is following him, yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of shots of feet, and he's always walking or running somewhere. That's really what it is. Like it just shows him. He loves he loves those shots where he like shows that he's walking somewhere, and then it reveals the vista in front of him. I think earlier today he po- he posted from Plaza España, and these are all places that I'm familiar with. It's just I wasn't there. You were. Um, in any case, we do have a lot of announcements that came out of MWC, and I'm pulling up our best of. Um, let's just talk about like a couple of things. I know that we have actually actually um, had hands on with a number of these products. So we'll start off with those first. Um, the Realme GT2 Pro. Realme has actually been like very much coming out the gate this year with some pretty cool devices. Um, I was able to finally take a look at that Dragon Ball Z edition phone at the beginning of the year. And now we have a GT2 Pro, which is also really unique because of its quote unquote paper-like backing. Um, mm-hmm. Recyclable materials, bio-friendly, whatnot. Like that's great and all. But like this phone is actually pretty premium in a lot of senses of the word oh definitely is um as far as the pricing of this phone goes i mean it's running a snapdragon 8 gen 1 it has top of the line camera system it actually has a ultra ultra wide camera uh which i believe is a 150 degree field of view which essentially makes it like a gopro or even wider than a gopro on the back of your smartphone uh, which is kind of insane. I was actually, I finished up my camera test with this device in Barcelona and I was walking through the old Gothic district with those small little alleyways. And I was like, dude, I got this ultra wide camera capturing these small little alleyways, which makes it look even more epic than it actually is. I like one of my downgrades or my beefs with the Pixel 6 Pro, which I honestly love the camera systems on was the fact that the ultra wide isn't really that ultra wide. And this takes it dramatically to the opposite direction of where Google had it on his pixel devices this year. There is something interesting about that 150 degree. Uh, they, they actually say it can be a fisheye lens. Um, what I find interesting about that is it's its own mode. So if you go to the 150 yes. degree mode, um, you are able to get like the super wide full with the distortion, full with the fisheye look and whatnot. But when you go to the ultra wide in the other modes, it's just cropping into the sensor. And I, w- I felt conflicted about that because on the I one hand- I do as hand, well because yeah. the 150 degree mode, you don't actually have the option to record video. That too. It's that is photos one thing too. only. And I was like, oh, I so want to record video with this ultra wide fisheye mode and you can't. Yeah, that's that's sure another why. thing actually. The um the other thing that I that I that kind of made me conflicted about it is when you are cropping into a sensor, there's an obvious reason why they're doing that. So you don't have distortion in the videos and photos when you're using that ultra ultra wide. The problem is you're cropping into a sensor, you're actually you're actually sacrificing some of the data. You're actually sacrificing some of the resolution from the full width of the sensor. Um, because they're cropping into it. Um, so it's like, it's one of those like weird takeaways or not takeaways, um, give and takes that they decided to do with that ultra wide. That being said, the quality coming out of it is fine. Like I'm not saying it was bad or anything. It's just on principle. It seems kind of weird to have to crop in and lose some resolution just so you can achieve regular ultra wide, but then still provide a fisheye somewhere else. Yeah, I think, I think they should have added it as just another step you know, in the zoom capabilities of the phone within the regular camera mode where you go from, you know, zoom standard ultra wide, and then you could have 
mega ultra wide or fisheye or whatever they wanted to call it and have it available in there rather than having it as his own dedicated mode. Because yeah, I, I do understand why they did have the dedicated mode because it does look dramatically different mm-hmm. uh, when you are in that fisheye mode. But still, I mean, give it the same capabilities as the other modes and definitely give us video recording capabilities. And, you know, maybe that's something that they're going to add later on with a software update. I don't see why they couldn't. Um, But yeah, I mean, even if it's not 4K, at least give us 1080p video capture from that ultra wide. How about that micro lens, though? (laughs) You know, so... (laughs) So what he's talking about is the same micro lens that we saw on last year's Find X3 Pro, which essentially allows you to put the the lens directly up to whatever you want to take a picture of and capture the minute details. You can put it up to the screen, you know, uh, a TV or a display and actually see the individual pixels on a display, which is really cool, but... It's a party trick, and you know I don't need a party trick with me. All it the is time. a party trick, but what what was funny is that as I started to see this micro, they they, they call it the microscope in the camera software. Um, as I was using the microscope, and I was because the other the other phone that we all got, um, and it wasn't necessarily an MWC announcement, but it happened kind of coincided. Um, it coincided with MWC in a way. The Oppo Find X5 Pro. So we have the latest Oppo device, the flagship Oppo device, and the flagship Realme device, and they are related companies. What I thought was so interesting was that, okay, fine, the micro scope or micro lens, I'm just going to keep calling it micro lens. The micro lens is a gimmick. It is obviously just a party trick, like you said. It is fun to use for the one or two times that you might actually use it, but that's about it. The thing is, it 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 made me realize, I feel like Realme is like, if, if we're going to say Realme and Oppo are that much together, like related enough that, you know, maybe there's some bleed over in the work that they do. Um... It feels like Realme is the fun experimental company now because the Oppo Find X5 Pro doesn't have something like that. It doesn't have the various like filters and AI bokeh flare modes and all of that stuff. Like all the fun stuff seems to be appearing on the Realmes and the Oppo Find X5 Pro seems like it's a high quality phone, don't get me wrong, but it feels more clinical than the Realme GT2 Pro did. I actually had more fun with the GT2 Pro. Well, just to clarify, the Oppo, the previous Oppo device did have all those features and they've it just... It did. It doesn't now. That's my point. They've toned, toned them back a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I think they're trying trying to say, hey, we, we'll experiment for a year with some new features and then we'll pull them back and share them between other brands. But just as a disclosure, though, I was sponsored by Oppo to go to MWC. They paid for my travel and accommodations while I was mm-hmm. there, just so everybody knows to be upfront with everybody. But I mean, they they did offer some great devices at the show. Uh, you know, Oppo, sister company, Realme. Um, as you said, the Find X5 Pro was announced a couple days before MWC. Uh, but it is an incredible device, and it actually shipped with a new 80-watt SuperVOOC charging. But then at MWC, they unveiled... <laughs> I was just about to say. 150-watt SuperVOOC charging, and on top of that, they unveiled two... I think it was 250-watt SuperVOOC charging. I'm seeing here 240. Is, 240. Or 240. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and which is absolutely crazy. So... <laughs> They haven't said when the 240 watt is coming, but they did say that the 150 watt is coming this year on the next OnePlus device, not the OnePlus 10 Pro, which is coming in late March to the U.S. market and other international markets after being released in China earlier this year. Whatever comes after. 
there's this rumor of this ultra device. And yeah, okay. honestly, I think the demo that they had at the booth was this unannounced OnePlus device in a weird case. So it'll it it's phenomenally fast. Like if you want a phone that charges fast, this is it. And the the main I don't know, the main reason why a lot of people don't like fast charging is because technically charging your battery cell faster degrades the battery faster, you know, reducing the number of life cycles that you have with that smartphone battery. But with this, they actually introduced a new battery chemistry, which hmm. they say will actually double the life cycle of the battery. So typical smartphones get about 800 cycles, which roughly translates to two to two and a half years if you're charging it daily. Uh, that will give you get you down to 80% of the original capacity. They are touting 1,600 cycles to get down to that same 80% capacity, which is insane. They're charging it dramatically faster than the competition and promising double the life cycles, which is, I, I think we can all get on board with that. I think so too. Uh, the only the only qualm that I have with it is as much as fast charging is such a useful thing and it's really fun to use, I'm... I get sick of, because I've done, okay, without giving away any NDAs or anything like that, let's just say I've done a few unboxings recently, and they all have really fast chargers in the box, and I'm very happy about that, but I have to use an adapter. <laughs> it's a very much a U.S. problem, a first-world U.S. problem <laughs> that I'm having right now. Uh, but that's the only thing. Like, well, in order I to mean, actually take advantage of it, it's always some sort of, it's always a European plug, uh, usually, when it comes to these phones. Yeah, you're usually the getting the, the the European, the U.K. or the, the German plug. But yes, only because those phones aren't released in the US and these are giving us European devices. If they were actually giving us the Chinese devices, they would actually have the brick that we can use here in the US. So that's true, actually. Yeah, I did. I did the problem that. is then the, the device would not have Google services on it. And then we would complain about that instead. That is very true. That was the, the yeah, right. you're right. Actually, that was the case with the Dragon Ball Z Realme. That was the case. I, I, I am able to use that brick, and that's great, even though it didn't have any Dragon Ball Z branding on it, but it, it did work. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So moving from the Oppos and Realmes of the world, um, there is, and you were just mentioning the lack of Google services. So got to talk about Honor a little bit. Um, Honor did have a mm -hmm. pretty strong showing at the show. Um, and what, I guess the main thing that we'll talk about here is the Magic 4 Pro. Now, here's the thing. I personally, just personally, I'm not sure if Pocket Now or you have any relationship with the current, iter the current, um, what's the term we're looking for? Not really iteration, but like the current contacts at Huawei or Honor or anything like that. I personally did not know anything coming into MWC season about what Honor or Huawei at large, uh, what either of these companies were bringing. So this was actually a bit of a, I, I, I know that they would probably have a flagship like this at MWC, but I didn't know anything about it leading to it. That's, that's all I'll say. Yeah, so I actually got a pre-brief for this, so I was aware it was coming. Um, I actually got to spend some additional time with the device after the show because Honor actually didn't show up and have a booth at the show. They only oh. had their announcement and they had a couple meeting rooms and then their PR team left after a day and a half. Uh, but I was actually lucky enough to, to spend a couple hours with the device, taking it around. It was a pre-production unit, but uh, the cameras on this phone are promising to be top of the line. You know, like this is going to go up against the best Samsung devices uh, like the Ultra, um, even though it doesn't have that, you know, that super long zoom lens. It does have a folded lens. I think it's a 4X uh, lens for the zoom camera. 
but the camera module on the back is definitely the main selling point here. You can see it looks like a hockey puck got stuck to the back of the phone. It, it bolted out. They're not shy. They're not shy. They're they're saying we're here to play and take us seriously. And after using the phone for a couple hours specifically to take pictures, I definitely think it's going to be a contender later on this year. We're still looking at probably a late. I would say a late spring uh, retail launch. Uh, they didn't announce when it would actually be coming to market. Uh, but this thing looks really nice. The price is high, though. Um, I think it was, I can't remember the price off the top of my head, but looking at the price compared to the competition, I was. I, I told my PR contact, maybe it should be 100 to 150 euro less in order to be more competitive. I mean, they are taking the stance of, we're trying to replace a flagship Huawei smartphone. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you considered Honor as a brand back in the past, it was always the budget friendly. It's it's the real me to the Oppo, right? Yeah. It's, you know, we're, we're doing the same thing, uh, but we're doing it at a lower price point versus this phone here is saying, okay, Huawei left this big gap at the top end of the market. And hey, why don't we take a piece of that? And that's what they're shooting for. I think it's going to be a really good device, but the price point might be a little bit off, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. I mean, the soft, I'm, I'm still hesitant about the software. It does have Google services. It is coming to the European markets uh, where we've seen Honor had to pull out before because of the trade restrictions and being uh, pulled away from Google mobile services. But I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I think this could be their first real step to say hey we've moved away from huawei we're losing some of that huawei specific design language that we shared for so many years this is our own thing and we're here to compete with oppo with samsung with apple on that high end um if if you're willing to pay for it yeah i was about to say the the if the price is really high but the thing is you actually you actually um um you actually debunked the thing i was about to say i actually forgot that honor was able to get Google Play services back on their devices um, after some time. Because mm-hmm. I was about to say, like, well, what's the point of paying so much if you're not going to have, like, integral services? But as it turns out, Honor does have Google Play services. So Yeah, um, and I mean, that was the, the whole reason why uh, they finally got sold by Huawei was so that they can say, we're a separate company. You know, the straight trade restrictions that apply to Huawei no longer apply to Honor because it's an independent company now. And I do remember they were trying very hard to differentiate themselves, um, not necessarily to have so much separation, but to be considered as their own brand. And with stuff like mm-hmm. this, yeah, it's definitely up there. So while there maybe there is a little bit of like relationship in the middle there, but it, it's still worthwhile to look at Honor as its own thing. And I've always been a fan of like Honor stuff, especially the higher end stuff. Um, back in the day when they were the budget uh, version, quote unquote, of the Huawei brand, I was already a fan, but now it looks like they're trying. They're trying really hard to like push a lot of really great stuff. I'm looking at this graphic here of um, 100 watt wireless charging. That's crazy. Yeah, I was <laughs> gonna mention. Yeah, they have 100 wired, and then they're like also wireless, and I'm like, same speed. They're like, yes, same speed. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. I gotta yeah, figure so out who to talk if, to over you, there. That way, I can yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll send you my contact, but I think yeah, I think I, I know I, I think I, honestly, I know who. It's just I haven't actually because because MWC was happening, there was no correspondence because mm-hmm. I wasn't going, so there was no reason for me yeah. to, to to check yeah, in with them. It, it's one of those things. I think you know it's going to be a month and a half, two months before this actually hits the market. But I think once it does, it'll give people another option on the high end. Uh, there's also an Honor Magic Four without the Pro. 
yeah. uh, that comes in a couple hundred euros cheaper. Uh, it has most of the main specs. Uh, they've just like toned down the display. I think the size a little bit, but the cameras are pretty much the same as well. Mm. So if if you're looking for a cheaper option to that, it's not going to be a cheap, cheap option, just a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's most of the stuff on the phone front. Um, now, uh, there were some laptops as well. Uh, Samsung actually put out a couple of updated laptops while they were at MWC. Um, I think there was also an, a Lenovo as well. These are these are products that I would love to check out, but I don't really have uh, a throughput with them. Um, I didn't really uh, follow, but I know the Lenovo one, the ThinkPad, and I have it here. Uh, it's actually on the list of PocketNow's best, MW, uh, best of MWC. ThinkPad X13S, called Gen 1. Um, I love that Gen is starting to pop up in a lot of places, but this is an ARM-based ThinkPad. Mm-hmm. Which looks pretty cool. Like I'm in. I'm. 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 I'm always into the ARM-based stuff because you know, battery life tends to be better on those. Um, but yeah, this is. I don't. This is not Lenovo's first ARM-based one, is it? I believe it is. It is. Oh, okay. For some it reason, is. I thought well, that Lenovo specific- had done it before. I don't know if they've done it before, but specifically for the ThinkPad subbrand, which is corporate-based B two B sales. Uh, my only issue here is that having worked Fortune 500 companies in the past and knowing how slow IT departments are in grabbing onto new technologies, I don't think it's going to be a huge hit. I mean, there are so many large companies that are out there who are buying ThinkPad devices are buying them because they work with the legacy applications that all these companies have. You know, that you have legacy applications that are 20 years old that do not run on arm and that that's my hesitation here like yes this is great that it's happening we need to make this happen i don't think it's going to be a huge success for lenovo it's going to be gen one it's probably going to be gen five before you know there's huge percentages going to these arm devices uh but you do have to start somewhere i mean for the companies who do want it and are able to adopt uh, the ARM platform for internal use, Mm -hmm. they have an option now. Yeah. And I'm also seeing, um, we were mentioning Huawei earlier, uh, but, you know, do you remember back in the day, I think we were all rocking Matebooks for a little while. (laughs) Because Uh, I, I, I rocked a Matebook when I was at CES earlier this year. Oh, oh, that's right. You I did. did. That. Yeah, I still, yeah, my Matebook's like two and a half, three years old now. <laughs> I remember it's a good the device. Yeah. I remember the Matebook, um, did they call it Pro? Um, like, cause I remember there was yeah, the mine's, Matebook. Mine's a Matebook Pro, yeah. Yeah, I remember, I remember 2018, 2019, I was trying to use a Matebook Pro because of its mobility. It was a very well designed, nimble laptop. And then I kept trying to connect it to an eGPU so I could actually have like editing power. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I remember that CES, I, I actually brought the eGPU with me and it was this big thing that I had to lug around. But Huawei did have the MateBook E at MWC as well. Um, the MateBook D, if I remember correctly, was the one that I did use back then as well. Um, it was a bit chunkier than the MateBook Pro, but now they have the E and it's looking, it looks pretty cool actually. It's a, it's a two-in-one um, and I, and I kind of like that. Yeah, it's a pretty good device. I mean, for me, the star of the show with what Huawei was showing off was actually their Huawei Super Device interconnectivity software mm-hmm. between all their devices. Uh, we actually gave that a best of show award. Uh, essentially, it allows, it does what, it's a combo between what Microsoft does with Android devices and what Apple does with their devices, allowing you to connect 
a Windows laptop, a smartphone, a tablet, and use them all simultaneously to interconnect the transfer files as a secondary display, as a pen input device for a computer. Essentially, they're all working in unison, as you would imagine you should be able to do in 2022, but nobody does it. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, Huawei did it. And uh, from the demos that I saw and the flashy videos and everything, it's just as good as you would hope it would be uh, with a nice user interface where you're, the device that you're using is in the middle of the circle and there's an outer perimeter circle around you with all the devices you have connected. And then anytime you want to get immediate access to them, you just drag them to the middle of the circle and it could be a mouse, a keyboard, a Bluetooth speaker, a tablet, anything that you have connected. And it's just this easy drag and drop interface and say, hey, I want this speaker to connect to this other device. You can connect you know, something to other devices that you're not even using with this interface. It's, it's pretty incredible. That's nice. Um, that, and not, that, not expecting it from Huawei. Oh, okay, yeah. Is, is it under the Harmony, the Harmony branding? Uh, well, they, they just call it Huawei super device. Oh, is that right? Okay. Cause like, it kind yeah, of fits. So, but, it, it, but yeah, it, it's in combination with their Harmony OS. Yes. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So their Harmony OS is what they're calling their unified platform that they're saying is not Android, but it is Android, uh, <laughs> that's running on their smartphones, tablets, and their watches. So the smartphones and tablets are definitely Android. Uh, their smartwatches are their version of an RTOS, uh, but they're calling it all the same, yeah. same thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, many announcements and uh, wine and tapas later. Uh, that is a, <laughs> that's yeah. a bit of a roundup of MWC stuff. Good to have you back. And um, like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good that you were able to have a good time out there. And it looks like even if, even if there weren't too many products that were like super hard hitting, let's say, or maybe you already had some time with them, it looks like it was still a worthwhile thing to do and we're looking forward to going together next year probably <laughs> yeah if if you want to join me next year i'll definitely be there <laughs> yeah yeah we'll figure it out um all right so that does it for our mwc talk we're gonna get into a little bit of a break because obviously a big thing happened yesterday that we will talk a little bit about after the break Because we are going to talk about Apple stuff. <laughs> Speaking of no, MagSafe. It, 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 it literally has MagSafe integration into the back of it. It's well, crazy. okay. So here's the thing. Like, and we're just going to come right back into it. Like, okay. So you were mentioning that Nubia had a phone that had MagSafe at MWC. But the thing is, even on here, like, this is my S22 Ultra, right? I'm showing it on, we don't, it's not a video podcast. Let's say yet. I'm not saying but it will I, be, but I get to see it. It's yeah, S22 so Ultra. take a look at this. This is the S22 Ultra with an ESR case, which I actually really like because they, they implement their kickstand very well. But this is also an ESR adhesive. This is adhered to the case. This is a MagSafe magnet. So I'm in this sort of mode of like MagSafe all the things because it's it's just convenient. Like it, even without the charging or any of that, like it's kind of nice to be able to magnetically mount things to places. So it's nice. Oh, completely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if uh, this is not an ad, I'm just saying, you know, if Nubia is putting out MagSafe stuff, well, maybe there is a demand for it because I have been putting magnets on <laughs> other stuff. Well, I mean, there. yeah, I, I don't know why anybody else didn't think of MagSafe before Apple did. 
because mm. there there were some versions and iterations of it, but for any OEM that didn't come out and like, hey, how about we have some wireless charging capabilities and some other things and let's put magnets in the back of our phones and make things connect. Apple did it and now the whole world wants to do it. So yeah, we're on the MagSafe train. Well, obviously this week, um, Apple did have their event, their first event of the year, and uh, speculation was running wild as to what it might be. Um, we're going to go in descending order. So if you look at your, if you're on a Mac or on a Windows, you're going to hit descending, you're going to hit that thing. So the arrow is pointing down. We're going to go descending order into what I think is important for us in this podcast. And I think the first thing we have to talk about is probably going to be the M1 Ultra <laughs> because it's not going to be very important for either of us since we're not going to pay $10,000 for an M1 Ultra in the Mac studio. Like oh you, you had conversations on Twitter about this and I've been watching all of it. Um, here's the thing, my hot take so far. M1 Ultra is great. Like, I love the fact that stuff like this is proving to be useful for people out there. I am literally on a MacBook right now with the M1 Pro, not even the M1 Max. I didn't even max out. I went for the M1 Pro because I know I don't need anything more than that. I am a YouTuber that wants to put videos out every other day, but I don't. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I don't need the firepower to be able to like do stuff like that so crazily. I am starting to dive a little bit more into color grading, dive a little bit more into like, you know, log recording and all that stuff that might require a bit more firepower, but I don't need what a max provides and what an ultra provides, which is basically just a max times two, literally, because they just put two maxes together and just made a die cast in the middle that allowed them to synergize. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, for those who don't know what it is, they actually just took the Max chip and said, hey, what would happen if we put two of them and connected them? And they're showing these charts and they're like, it's 60% faster than the fastest Intel chip. And I'm like, well, yeah, you put two of them together. Like if we got two Intel chips and put them together, they would be X faster. Like. That's the way math works. Multiply times two and you get a result. <laughs> um, but I mean, Apple can do it. They can get away with this because they control their entire platform, right? They, they, can, they build the computers. They decide what the motherboards on the inside are going to be. And if you're going to double the size of your CPU, you can double the size of what you need for the CPU to touch that motherboard and connect it to the motherboard in order to make that work. If you're Intel, you can't really do that because you don't control the motherboards and you can't yep. just put out a double double wide chip um, in order to get double the power. It's, that's just not a thing you can do. I was laughing because nothing about the M1 Ultra mentions anything about um, putting it in a laptop. And I'm sure at some oh, point... Oh, you they, can't. You, you there's can't. no way. The battery you, you, would die in a second. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, of course, they're not going to talk about the M1 Ultra did in a you portable see the sense. Did you see the cooling system that they put with that? They talked like for five minutes about oh, the yeah. new innovative cooling system that inside the the desktop, whatever it is, the, the case, the cooling system is half of the volume of what's inside that case. Yep. I'm like, yeah, you could never put that inside a laptop. Impossible. Mm -hmm. Like just, just, just to cool it off. There's just no reason for... Because I think a ton of the people that are listening to this podcast or even watch both of our channels or read both of our websites, quote unquote, for me, it's not my website. That's why I said, quote unquote, I don't write for pocket now. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, 
the majority of these people are not going because you were seeing on Twitter how people were going nuts over ordering all of it. And the orders mm-hmm. were actually so quick that not more than maybe 15 minutes after the announcement was made, it was already shipping in like the end of April. It was already so far off. So people have been scooping this up. There are people who would use these things. But there are a lot of those who are on Twitter saying, oh my God, do I need this? And a lot of the people were responding, a lot of responses were, no, you don't. No, (laughs) you absolutely don't. (laughs) You totally want it. And so I I wrote a couple tweets about how everyone's freaking out about it and all the power and what you would be able to do with it. And I'm, I'm, I do YouTube, I edit videos, which is very demanding of a CPU and a GPU. And yes, technically I could benefit from this, but I have a technically a gaming PC or an editing PC that I built myself. I have Mm -hmm. a 3070 graphics card on the inside. And in the last year and a half that I've had this set up, not once have I ever said, the hardware I have is holding me back from doing my work faster. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm editing stacked 4k video clips, doing motion graphics, doing co- color grading, a whole bunch of other stuff. And never once have I said, Oh, I need a gra- I need a 3090 in order to get my work done faster. And even if I did, I'm on a good week. I do three videos in a week, right? That's a very good week. And that's, three videos of me spending maybe 20 hours of editing a faster graphics card or a faster cpu might save me in those instances maybe an hour in one of those weeks on the average week i'm doing one video so maybe it would save me 20 minutes is it worth a ten thousand dollar upgrade to save myself 20 minutes a week i would say no i like i could spend ten thousand dollars on a studio like i could get mm-hmm. better lighting better camera equipment that would be actually more noticeable for those watching the videos as opposed to me saving a couple minutes while editing video which yeah i which i think most people aren't going to see a benefit of unless you know video editing not so much if you're doing 3d graphic rendering if you're doing something of that magnitude where you actually tap into those GPUs and the CPUs full throttle, like a lot of the time, and you have rendering sessions that are hours long rather than I render a video in four minutes as it is right now, like, oh my gosh, I'll save 30 seconds in that rendering. Um, that makes a big difference. Like, like if, you, if you have rendering sessions that are an hour long, two hours long with 3D graphics, go for it. You definitely need it. But if you're not Mm. doing that, time to skip. Yeah. Um, And I I think save your money in that case. I mean, like the base model Mac Studio will probably be very useful for the majority of people out there. It's only for the absolute hardcore people who might already... Who, they're not the ones who are buying it. It's the companies that are going to be buying these ten thousand mm-hmm. dollar machines. So that's to me, that's the difference. That's how that's how it works in yeah. my brain. Um, but yeah, that that three one, the four thousand dollars base model. Base model. I, I actually think that that one. I could see people getting that just as like their if they're music producers or if they're graphics designers or anything like that. I totally get that. I totally get that. Thing is, if you already have a Mac Pro from last year, you're probably still sitting pretty. That that was my other even fact. Yeah, I was I was going to say even though like you could just use your Mac Pro and like unless your Mac Pro is spinning up those fans all the time, which honestly I have very few friends that ever say their fans actually spin up at all mm-hmm. on their Mac Pro. 
Like if your fans aren't spinning up on your Mac Pro, then no, it's not even something you should consider. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of Apple putting the craziest chips and all of the things. Um, <laughs> so now the iPad Air. So mm-hmm. I find this so funny. The the I have an iPad Pro. Um, I have an iPad Pro 11. Is it 12 or 11? I think it's 11. I have an iPad Pro. I'm trying to remember if it's 12 or 11. It might be 12. For some reason, both sound right. Anyway, I have the M1 enabled or the M1 rocking. Uh, it's rocking the M1, the uh, iPad Pro that I have. Do I actually see that much of a difference with anything that's going on? Not really, um, because that's the way that iPad OS just kind of is. It is what it is. It's just like iOS, where you can put the fastest chips in it and whatnot, but it's their software. So, of course, it's going to be optimized no matter what. But now the M1 chip is in the iPad Air, generally considered one of the more affordable ones that you can get for pretty much anybody, uh, aside from the iPad Mini which does not have the M1 chip, so it, di- it didn't get that love. But yeah, an iPad Air. Um, any thoughts on iPad Air here? <laughs> uh, well, I, it's been a while that since I've used an iPad Air, but the last time I did, I was like, eh, it's not the fastest thing around, mm-hmm. especially, I know a lot of people who actually do like graphic design and video editing on an iPad. On, because, on iPads, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the software allows you to do it. Uh, definitely don't try that on an Android tablet because you're going to be... Very, very disappointed. Uh, so if if you are doing heavy workloads on an iPad, this is something that's going to be revolutionary for the cheapest, you know, large screen iPad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's kind of disappointing that the mini didn't get an upgrade there with the M1 chip. But I mean, honestly, like most people are using a mini to do some casual gaming and, you know, reading books. So that's you know, fair. It's, it's more of the entertainment one. So I guess... That the air could be considered like the hybrid, which now that you're saying that, I do get the association that maybe Apple's trying to make, whereas they have MacBook Air with M1. So mm-hmm. it is the lightest and more affordable one, but it still has more or less the same power as the Pro M1. And I'm talking about the base model M1s. Yeah, the um, base model. Well, I, I think what they're trying to do also is just streamline their manufacturing of these devices as well. The more devices that they're getting on the M1 chip, they can phase out their other chips and it becomes cheaper to produce M1 chips and cheaper sure. to produce those da- tablets as well. I mean, there's the economies at scale there that that play into it where they can say, hey, it's actually cheaper for us to make one with an M1 chip, which is good for us. Yeah. Um, the thing is, <clears throat> the... Oh, hold on. Okay. I was just about to double check here. The iPad Air, I was trying to remember if whether or not this design was actually used before or if this is a refresh on the design. No, this is the second time that this design has been used because um, last year's iPad Air had the same. It's got like the the boxier design. So flat sides, mm-hmm. uh, fingerprint reader and the power button, stuff like that. Things that we wish the iPhones had. <laughs> but yes. the um, but yeah, uh, I was about to say it seems like the iPad Air got a bit of a refresh, but it didn't. Um, this is the second time this has been used. It's really the M1 that has been updated. And you're right, with uh, with these larger screens, obviously it lends itself to being a better tool for certain people, um, animators. I follow a lot of animators mm-hmm. on YouTube, and the constant question that animators get who make YouTube content is, do you use a Syntec or a Wacom digitizer uh, yeah, tablet? Yeah, digitizer, yep. Or do you or use do you an just iPad? do an iPad? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and my daughter, my we have a Galaxy Tab, whatever from last year, a seven something with 
with the Yes Pen integration. And it, it's a great device for my girls. They love using the pen for drawing and doing digital art. And there's a lot of digital artists that use these digital tools now, as opposed to using a digitizer that's connected to a PC, right? They're just using that device because the applications run natively on it. Um, and, you know, if you can make it more powerful and you are, you're allowed to create more detailed uh, files, because a lot of times you run into restrictions as to how large the file can be based off of how much RAM the device has, but also how powerful the CPU is inside of it, as mm. far as rendering everything as you're seeing it on the screen. So allowing digital artists to have much larger canvases to work on and also doing digital rendering uh, on, in that aspect, I think it's a great thing because the, yeah, these devices are used as professional tools as opposed to so many Android devices that still are not just because there's no software support on that end with, with the type of tools that they're looking to use. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, 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 don't, I, don't for, I don't usually see Android um, and the term enterprise in the same sentence enough. I think there are some well, I, ways I, that they can, I, but I wouldn't say enterprise because they're more creative tools than anything else. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you do have larger organizations that are creative organizations, but yeah, I, I definitely don't see it on the Android side where they're giving the applications enough room to grow, to give users the ability to do the work that they need to do. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right, and then the final thing. Um, oh, well, okay, the tiny thing. There's a new color of the iPhone 13. <laughs> uh, whatever, <laughs> 13 it's for... green. It's green. <laughs> I like green. Green's, or green's one of my favorite colors, I but do. I mean, yeah, but okay. This, this is one of those things where I'm like, okay, so if you already have an iPhone, what are you going to do? Like, you're just, you, do you trade it in and lose a little bit of money in order to get the other one? Or like, I, I always wonder what the, what the, what is the consumer incentive if you already have an iPhone? If you already have that oh, model. There's, if, if you have that model, there's no consumer incentive whatsoever. I mean, yeah. most 90% of people, what, put a case on their phone anyway, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, it's, for the, it's for the crazy people like me who refuse to put a case on their phone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's always nice to have additional colors. Um, it could be, hey, you walk into a T-Mobile store and see the green one there, and it just catches your eye, and that's the one you want to buy. So yeah. I don't think they're actually going to see an increase in sales because they released a green phone. But the increase in sales is definitely something we can probably expect with the return of the iPhone SE. Now, this is the phone that actually I get really conflicted feelings about because here we are with yet another phone with the same exact design as before. Say what you will about the design. Some people love it. Some people hate it now because they're used to the yeah. more full screen designs. Now it has the Bionic A15 inside. The A15 is a great chip, sure. Like, you know, it's still iOS, so it's going to be optimized. It doesn't matter what they put into it. It could have been an A13. Um, but still, it's getting these updates. And the A15 Bionic does give it full 5G capability, so it is a 5G-enabled phone now. So, yes, there are these benefits to it. But it's just, it's the phone that even though there's truly nothing fully innovative about it, I still find myself putting it on the short list of what to recommend casual users. It's always this phone and the A-series pixels that I'm like, go for those. And now Samsung with their base models and the FEs are starting to creep into that list, but it's really the iPhone SE and the Pixel A's that I tend to like look at as these are the phones that if you really want to save some money, you don't care about the cameras quite as much. You don't care about like the big screen experiences. These are the ones. And they do sell like hotcakes. They really do. 
Well, here's here's the thing. The reason why this phone exists in the first place and why it got refreshed and the design really doesn't matter is because carriers are actually starting to turn off and disconnect people's phones if they do not have 5G connectivity. Actually, right. while I was in Mobile World Congress, I got text messages from my uncle and I, you know, probably like you, I act as tech support for my extended family. Uh, but he, he texted me and said, my phone's been disconnected. I don't know what to do. Um, and then I, I told him, I was like, well, there's a chance he's on AT&T. I was like, there's a chance you got disconnected because he was using a Galaxy S8, I believe, or S7. I can't even remember which one it was. And S8's AT&T, not that long ago either. But, but the S8 does not have 5G. And so AT&T is actually actively disconnecting SIM cards from phones that do not have 5G support. And they're mailing people a free device with 5G and a 5G SIM card. The, The whole mishap happened because he, my uncle and his brother share a plan and the the plan is actually under his brother's account. So the new phone got sent to his brother's address. And so he didn't get the phone, Uh, but his SIM card got disconnected. Uh, So, so he had to go into an AT&T store and he picked up a new galaxy S 22 because he needed a phone and a SIM card. Um, But yeah, this is, this is exactly what this phone is intended for iPhone users who are on an older iPhone who have not upgraded yet. AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, they needed an iPhone with 5G connectivity so they can disconnect old iPhones that don't have 5G and send them a new device so that mm. they can kill off their 3G network because they need everybody off the 3G network so that they can decommission it and then use it for use Open that spectrum for yeah. other so for mid-band specifically for most of and them. there are a lot of people who are still on their iPhone like Oh, what's completely. The, what, what's the one that? What's the last one that had this design language? The seven or six? I, I, the I don't know. The seven. Yeah, it's been so <laughs> long now. I mean, it's like five years, five years, six years old. Yeah, yeah um, that's true. But I mean, Apple still has the economies of scale for this, the tooling and the machinery to build this phone for super cheap now. And they were saying, "Hey, what do we do? Well, let's just up, upgrade the internal board and give it the new chipset, and we've got five G." Yeah, I. I'm looking forward to using the SE because, like, okay, this is very much an us problem or an us, let's say, nuance or notion is the idea that, oh, when we get a new device like this in, we've been working with, like, S22 Ultras and iPhone Pro Maxes for a while now. Um, it's nice to get, like, the, the cheap phone and have fun with it. Like, it's mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking forward well, to it's, it. Well, the thing is, it's a cheap phone with a really good chipset on the inside. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, like, the, like I said, it's not truly innovative, but it's actually providing like a, a it is fulfilling a need, as you said, in mm-hmm. the on the business side, yes, but for for people out there who might want to have maybe you want to max out on Genshin Impact on a small screen. Sure. <laughs> like, go for it. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, there is room for it, definitely. And the market, um, the, the 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 sales dictate that. Yeah, a phone like this should continue to exist. And if anything, the um, the iPhone SE every year, not every year, every time it comes out, every time a cheap phone comes out like the iPhone SE or the Samsung FE, the fan editions, every time they come out, they just make me more hungry for like whatever Pixel's A-series device might be. So I'm looking forward to that mm-hmm. now. So it's, there's definitely room in this price bracket. 429 yes, is going to be quite a bit more expensive than what we remember the 2020 iPhone SE being, but that's because that's how much the chip and 5G kind of rack up that price it's unfortunate but it's true yeah yeah um all right i think that pretty much 
covers everything um is there anything like it, again nick thank you so much for coming back on we're i'm gonna be coming back to the show regularly i actually do want it to be wednesdays so pocket now weekly wednesdays you know kind of rolls off the tongue pretty nicely and it's the middle of the week we're in the middle of work anyway so we might as well talk about the work we're doing so that's that's how i feel as opposed to us always trying to record on fridays and we're like i just want to go eat and go to <laughs> go to bed friday's my pizza night man we're always <laughs> yeah. bumping up against pizza making time yeah um anything you want to go ahead and let the audience know um that you're working on uh post mwc stuff as you're recovering from from barcelona (laughs) yeah the recovery has been real um i'm actually wrapping up my review of the galaxy s22 and s22 plus reviewing them together since those devices are so similar uh i thought it was a good idea to tackle them uh, in one blow. Uh, but then after that, I'll be moving on to the ultra as well. A device that honestly, I, I wasn't expecting to like as much as I do. So, uh, I'm the review. other way around. I wasn't expecting to like the base model S 22 as much as I am right now. Well, yeah, I, 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 well, I was expecting to like those. I wasn't expecting to like the ultra because as you know, I'm a small phone kind of guy. The S 22 sure. is like, right up my aisle as far as sizes go i actually think it should be just a little bit smaller but that's that's a me thing uh but yeah the the s22 and s22 plus review should be out by the end of this week look for it on friday hopefully and then probably middle or end of next week the ultra review on fandroid nice um all right um yeah and and on the on the note of the s22 um with the butter yellow case the official yellow case the the, the BTS reference uh, butter yellow case. I have to say, it's when I put this case on this phone that I was like, okay, I love this. <laughs> I'm sold. I'm, sold. <laughs> I'm not even a huge BTS fan. It's just the case itself is really nice. Like, I, And I like it a lot. And yellow is my other favorite color, green and yellow. Um, in any case, uh, we're going to go ahead and call it on this one. Um, let's get into all, oh, all of the links for Nick, Fandroid, and Beyond are in the show notes. And as far as Pocket Note and myself are concerned, I'm going to go through all of those in the outro starting now. See, I'm not that rusty. That's 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 good. <laughs> As I said, all of the links for Nick Gray and Fandroid at large are found in the show notes. If you want to follow me across the interwebs, you can find me on all social media at JVTechTea, because I'm JV, I love tech, and I love to drink me some tea. And of course, I have my own YouTube content as well at youtube.com slash Joshua Vergara. As it comes to Pocket Now, Pocket Now can be found over at pocketnow.com for all of the latest headlines at Pocket Now across all social media and of course the youtube channel where jaime is still uh putting out those dailies every single day and other content over at youtube.com slash pocket now with all of that said we are going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the pocket now weekly podcast we are back and we will see you in our next episode next week